0: Chargers here sitting in for Jared today. It's a great day to be here. I will also be here tomorrow and Friday. We will try to make those great days as well. Let's head straight to the Hammerhead Hotline and bring in Brian Newbert, GoldandBlack.com. Brian, uh, first of all, welcome to the show as always. Uh second of all, we were uh we were asking uh the listeners here who is the MVP of the game last night outside of the obvious answer and the big fella, Zach Eady, uh, who would you give the second-place MVP trophy to for the Boilermakers?
1: That's a lure. Yeah. Um, not just because he scored 19 points, made all four of his threes, but because the timeliness of some of his plays, that three-pointer he made when Indiana was on that 13-2 run to run open the second half, might have been the biggest shot of the game mm-hmm. um, because that's that slippery slope moment where you know the home team's going to make a run. You gave them, you gave their crowd something to cheer about after a just dreadful first half for them. And uh, that was just a huge shot. Later, they had whittled it down again. I, I want to say it was nine points. Um, and Lawyer took somebody off the dribble, got fouled, made both free throws. Yeah. Another timely offensive play he made. But also, you know, he had really difficult defensive matchups, too, against their big wings, and, uh, you know, survived. And that's all you can all you can really ask of him is just a fight. And uh, I thought he really, really impacted the game offensively, and I thought he did a good enough job defensively, too. So I would absolutely go with him.
0: Yeah, it's one of those games where uh, you, you can hand out little ribbons to a lot of guys, uh, Fletcher Lawyer, of course, one of them, Lance Jones being another. I yeah. thought Braden Smith, even though he didn't shoot the ball well, did a really good job of – of sort of controlling things uh, for the Boilermakers. Ethan Morton plays only 13 minutes, but they might have been the biggest 13 minutes to sort of stem the tide there for Purdue. Let's let's start with Jones. I have said this uh, about Lance Jones. I, I don't really care ultimately where his three-point shooting percentage lands. He's shooting right now 33%. To me, he's a shot maker, right? I mean, he goes three for 10, he didn't do that last night, but if he goes three for ten in a game, it just feels to me like the three are really big shots at really big moments when Purdue really needs some points, and uh, he did that again last night. He's done that several times this year where he just seems like a guy who hits the shot when it needs to be hit.
1: Yeah, I answered that prior question with uh, without hesitation about Fletcher Lurie. The other one who obviously loomed really large was Lance Jones. His ability to score in transition has really transformed Purdue, really completed Purdue. The three-point thing, um, you know, I'm I'm really surprised by the volume he's been carrying. It's very similar to what he did at Southern Illinois when he was the, you know, one of their top scorers, but I I guess I can't call him not one of Purdue's top scorers now when he's like their third leading scorer. I never would have seen that coming. I figured he would be, you know, kind of an opportunist type of guy who might take one or two a game. He's taking like eight a game or something like that. And, uh, yeah, he's making 33%. I don't think he's taking too many bad ones. He's not taking the 40-footers like he was at the start of the year. Um, I think he's getting in rhythm. He's getting in r- rhythm and transition. He's really settling into a role as that guy in half-court offense who people are going to sag off and he's going to make a pay. I think he's making shots off shot fakes, things like that. It's not like he's you know I always kind of viewed him as kind of streaky, but I probably should stop because he's had every opportunity to throw up one of those one of eleven stinkers and he's not done it yet <laughs>
0: yeah
1: uh, now it can always happen with anybody it can always happen with a guy like him too because I don't know if he's a guy who I'd call you know a quote unquote pure shooter like a Fletcher lawyer would be, but he's he's absolutely a rhythm shooter, and I don't know if that makes sense or not, but his shots are distinctly different than a lot of other people's because he's got a kind of have his juices flowing. He's got to catch it in the right place. He's got to kind of step into a shot and things like that. And um, But no, he's doing a great job. He is making big shots too. And uh, I think there's something to be said for that. He is not back down from the moment in any way, shape, or form. Uh, not that there was ever really any reason to think he would. Uh, I, I just think he's been an absolute, absolute godsend for Purdue in every way, shape, and form. He's, he was the perfect recruit at the perfect time. Um. But, a guy who has made a great team even better and really completed them in a lot of different ways that I could talk about for probably 15 minutes, but you probably don't. Have, you probably have to get the commercial at some point.
0: <laughs> Brian, the big takeaway last night is obviously the, the poise that Purdue played with in the second half, uh, especially early there. You felt like with a 22 point lead that you know that if Indiana claws back into it, it's going to be gradual and, and maybe they get it down to 10 with five minutes left. You feel a little bit nervous. You did not expect the Hoosiers to score 17 points in the first, what, four and a half minutes or whatever it was and, and get back that quickly. I, I thought that Purdue did a good job of keeping its head about it when it had instances where it could have let that slip away. I mean, you know, uh, Xavier Johnson is, is doing whatever it is he does and, and chucks Zach Edie and, you know, Edie doesn't really react uh, to that. Edie gets hung all over all the time, doesn't really react uh, to that, Braden Smith misses shots. Doesn't really seem to affect him. Maybe like it did uh, a year ago if he was if he would miss shots. I, I just thought that y- you know you have to be you have to feel good about how Purdue reacted to all of that uh, down in Assembly Hall last night.
1: Yeah, Purdue looked like what you know Purdue should look like. I mean, with all the experience they have now, all the uh, all the chronological age they have now, all the basketball they've played together. Um, That's what a veteran team looks like, and if you compare Purdue to Indiana and Xavier Johnson, is 24 years old and a six-year senior, doing what he's doing, and you compare that to Zach Eadie basically laughing at Xavier Johnson (laughs) when he throws a forearm into his chest, um, and all all the stuff you mentioned before, Lance Jones' composure, Fletcher Lawyer's composure, Braden Smith's composure, but also just the, the, the effort that just didn't stop from Purdue. I, I think that was the biggest takeaway, more so than the poise, was just how hard Purdue played. And, you know, Indiana used to pride themselves on that, too, and they got completely punked out last night. Uh, I think that started with Mason Gillis and Trey Kaufman ran on the offensive glass. I think, obviously, the the play that gets the most attention is, you know, Zach Eadie diving on the floor while, while, uh, while Khalil Ware just stands there. Yeah. Um. And but I I just think Purdue, you know, played uh, really really hard, and you clearly that game meant a lot to them, and uh, it really showed.
0: Yeah, certainly did. I mean, there was a lot at stake for the Boilermakers for a number of reasons, including, of course, in the Big Ten standings. Purdue got a little bit of a a help there from Penn State last night against Wisconsin. Talking to Brian Newbert, GoldenBlack dot com on the Blue Fox Heating and Cooling hammerhead hotline um had you bought in at all to the idea that purdue was struggling on the road in the big 10 and had lost five of seven dating back to last year
1: not really um i think every game's different i think um i think that uh the maryland game they won that game you know decisively and i don't think it was ever in question I think you can circumstantially look at the, the two losses here this season and I think almost throw out the Nebraska game because it was just sort of one of those things that happens sometimes where the home team shoots out of its mind. It's the proverbial thing we talk about all the time about, hey, when you're number one or number two or whatever, you get everybody's best shot. Yeah. That, that's precisely what happened at Nebraska. Why people make shots – at a higher rate <laughs> when they're all jacked up doesn't make any sense to me because I, I would have to think a level head would be part of that. Right. But, um, you know, Tominaga did what Tominaga does, and uh, there just wasn't a whole lot Purdue could have done about it. I think that a lot of teams, including the best teams and some of the be- other best teams in college basketball, got in Nebraska on that night and lost. The Northwestern game is the one that Purdue – kind of let get away a little bit. I think Lance Jones fouling out was a huge deal in that game. Obviously, you got another 24-year-old guard who played like a 24-year-old in that situation, and uh, I think uh, they just lost a close game. Um, I don't think it was any sort of uh, reflection of any sort of existential flaw in this team. I think it was just a game they lost, and that happens sometimes. Um, so, no, I, I I don't think there's any real issue there. I think last year there might have been. I think last year you would have seen Purdue last year when Indiana goes on that thirteen to two run, you know, start turning the ball over a little bit, maybe take a couple of quick shots, things like that. I don't really remember that happening last night. Mm-hmm. I don't have my notes in front of me. I haven't rewatched the game yet, but I, I don't think that Purdue lost its composure. And I think last year it would have. So I, I don't think there's really any sort of deep-rooted road issue uh, for this team.
0: Yeah, I don't recall a real bad shot by Purdue. Anthony Walker took one for Indiana when it had a chance. I think to get it from a, you know, eleven back into single digits, just sort of hoisted up a, a three pointer there early in the shot clock. Uh, I'm going to try to do some math in my head here. Uh, Zach Edey, the last two games has sixty three points and thirty four rebounds, which doesn't even sound real, <laughs> but it is. He's a better player than he was last year, and last year he was the national player of the year. In what ways, in your opinion, has he improved?
1: Well, what's kind of funny about it is like you take it for granted. Yeah. Like I don't even write about it anymore after the game because it's just you sort of expect it when when he goes for thirty three and fifteen. It's like, hey, another thirty three and fifteen for Zach Edey, but he was eleven of twenty three from the floor. Yeah, he struggled. You know? Like. <laughs> It was kind of that way with Caleb Swanigan, and it was kind of that way with a couple other guys Purdue's had, where you just sort of you just sort of assume it's going to happen, and it's not re- you don't really treat it as news anymore when it happens. But you really should, and that's why I kind of tell Purdue fans sometimes, like enjoy it while it's here because these guys don't come along very often. Um, but no, he is a better player now than he was last year. He's a better passer. He's moving better. Um, I think he's better in ball screen offense. I think he's better in ball screen defense. Uh, I just think you've seen him at times run the floor. I think it was against Penn State. There, were, there was a great example of that. He's just—he doesn't look like all of the things people assume that a seven foot four, three hundred pound guy should be. Uh, in terms of him being a little more aerodynamic, a lot more aerodynamic than a lot of just lugs. Um, guys who are that big. How many of them are ever good? You know, not very they get many. recruited. They no. sit at the end of the bench, and they're just not. Generally, they're not good basketball players. He's a really good basketball player. Uh, now, the whole uh, Twitter nonsense about he's only good because he's tall. Height is not even his biggest strength. His strength, his biggest strength, is size. And size isn't just height. Size is strength. Size is width. Size is having a really powerful base. You know, things like that. Yeah, he's tall, but he's not good because he's tall. He's good because he's big. But he's good because he's big and he's good, if that makes any sense. I know that I kind of lost track of that or lost control of that answer there. But um, no, um I, no, I love it when people just, are
0: like, what, what, what happens if he was 6'7"? You do know that 6'7 is 9 inches shorter than what he actually is. So yeah, you know, well, I mean, what happens if Michael Jordan was nine inches shorter than what he actually is? He might still be a good player, but he wouldn't be the same player. Yes, height doesn't yeah. matter, but he is still a very skilled basketball player.
1: It's the most intellectually dishonest argument that people <laughs> yeah. have on, on social media. It is the Joe Flacco was an elite quarterback with basketball. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, let's take LeBron James and let's make him smaller weaker less explosive less athletic and cut his basketball iq in half and what is it yeah sure let's take away every the best thing every player ever has done you know let's take away Allen iverson's quickness yeah let's take away ray allen's jump shot and see what they are cool let's do that um but why (laughs) why do we have to do that this is what he is he's good he's really good and i don't really understand why people are so uncomfortable with seeing something they've never seen before and and appreciating it as being great. There's a place for him in the NBA. People who don't think that he can play in the NBA are wrong. There There is a place for him in the NBA. Whether or not it's a starring role one day, I don't know, but he's going to get drafted. He's going to get drafted higher than anyone thinks. He would have gotten drafted last year. And all of these people who are like Oh yeah, he he's a good college player, but he'll fizzle out in the NBA. I don't. That's who cares. That's yeah. not even a pressing issue. But you you know, arguing with uh, arguing with people on social media over stupid straw man <laughs> arguments is a waste of all our time. Yeah.
0: No, he's really good. He goes about it the right way, and he's fun to watch. Uh, he plays hard. Uh, you know, scrambling after the ball up seventeen with three and a half minutes to go is. Is something you don't always see from a seven foot four dude. You don't generally see seven foot four guys play thirty six minutes a game either. Uh, he was and he was outstanding. Make eleven
1: of twelve free throws.
0: Yeah, no on the road
1: around. when everybody's telling you to go after yourself. Yeah,
0: yeah, no doubt. You know? uh, that's that's certainly the, the the case. I mean, he was really good. Uh, before I let you go, by the way, you sound like a bitter New York Jets fan in your in your Joe Flacco. You got bad Flacco
1: in his well, short
0: tenure with the Jets.
1: If they had just had Flacco this year, they would have won it all. I mean, I, clearly that would have been the case. Um, yes, certainly so. Yeah, all
0: right, thanks, man. Appreciate the time. No problem, Jared. Thanks. Yeah, there we go. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> that's Brian Newbert, goldenblack.com, uh, joining us on the Blue Fox Heating and Cooling Hammerhead Hotline. Uh, every time with that, I've got to cut him off early. Alright, let's take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk more uh, Boilermaker victory against the Hoosiers. Uh, we'll do that coming up next. This is the Hammer Down Show 1017 The Hammer. 1017.